Welcome to another exciting edition of the Give Me Liberty podcast. Today, I'm joined by our special guest, Rick Green, founder of Patriots Academy, teaching biblical citizenship, not only for the next generation, but also pastors, churches, how to think faithfully, biblically, about citizenship, stewardship, not only of how they vote, but how they engage the public square. And among the many challenges, we have cultural Marxism, the rise of atheism, and American amnesia, people no longer understanding America's founding and where we stand in the midst of it. This is an important conversation to have. All of this coming up next on the Give Me Liberty podcast, starting now. Welcome back to the Give Me Liberty podcast. And guess what? I have a special guest. His name is Rick Green. Many of you know him as the founder of Patriots Academy. He's joining me now from Austin, Texas. Hey, Rick, great to see you. Man, it's good to be on. We've been batting this around for a while. I'm glad we finally get to do something like this together. Excited about it. Yeah, me too, me too. We've been talking off and on for, for, I know, more than a year. It could almost be two years. (laughs) But I'm so glad, seriously, that you're jumping in the hot seat today. What I wanted to talk about is you guys do a lot of stuff across the country. You're in many churches and you're not just discipling young people. In many ways, your resources are also discipling pastors on how to think biblically about citizenship, especially in America. Um, I think right out of the bat, the, the first thing is why is this so important that pastors have a not only a biblical understanding, but a historic understanding of why the United States is unique and why they should be involved. Yeah, you know, I think the the big uh, the big lie that has uh, seeped into the entire church is is the whole idea that you can compartmentalize God. That there are certain areas of our life that the pastor should not touch, that the pastor should not speak to on Sunday morning, and that somehow the Bible doesn't apply. Um, and that lie allowed us to separate ourselves from culture in so many ways, entertainment, politics, all these things. We kind of bought this lie. Oh, those are evil areas. You know, if I'm a good and holy Christian, I'm only going to be in ministry over here. I'm only going to do this. I wouldn't dare go into politics or run for office. Uh, even business sometimes was was labeled with that greedy capitalist pig kind of mentality. And so we allowed these things, these areas of our lives to be separated from God's word. And pastors bought it, hook, line, and sinker. I mean, how many pastors today will say, oh, I don't want to get into politics. Well, wait a minute. What Politics is just life. Politics is just whatever's happening in our neighborhood that week. Mm-hmm. Doesn't the Bible speak to those things? And so I think there's a wake-up call. I think, I think the people in the church are saying, hey, yo, pastor, I need to know how to respond to these things that are going on at my kid's school or in my life. Uh, I need to know what the Bible says about this. Some pastors are still, you know, not not answering that and still not speaking to those things. Uh, but a lot of them have awakened, and so that's really what we're doing with our biblical citizenship course. It's just that combination of saying, "Hey, the Bible speaks to everything in life, including not just how we treat our spouse or our kids, but how we treat our neighbor, which means society, how we, you know, choose our leaders, how we run our our nation." Uh, and we need to take a biblical approach to that. But then if we're going to do that well, we got to know what country we're in. We got to know how this system that we're in works. So that means we got to know the Constitution. We got to know how a constitutional republic works. So we basically combine those two things and say, OK, let's hear from the Bible about how to be a good citizen. And then let's hear from our Constitution and our history to know how to do that in our particular system. Rendering unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God what is God's. And in our nation, Caesar is you and it's me. So we got to do this the right way. Okay, really important that you just said that, by the way, and I totally agree. You and I are Caesar in the United States. I have heard many pastors who don't 
I've heard from, and I, you know, when it comes to sort of the exegetical framework of Romans 13, hey, for example. This, by the way, the name of your podcast is on my cup. I swear I didn't. Patrick Henry, give I, me liberty, I, man. That is, okay. It's a, yeah. All right, anyway, sorry, go ahead. That's right. Oh, by the way, got to put a plug in for Liberty University. Anybody listening, definitely send your son, daughter, or grandson or granddaughter to Liberty University. And also, you have to check out Patriot Academy and, and as I, well. And I my mean, oldest son is a Liberty University grad, so I, exactly. I, I obeyed your command. I sent I, I, I <laughs> That's good. So, so I want to go back to what you said though about citizen Caesars because that's so important to understand. And I've heard pastors even during COVID. I heard a pastor here locally in Lynchburg talk, you know, uh, you know, giving reference to to First Peter, uh, you know, the Emperor Supreme, and um, you know, I, I, different than a Taco Supreme, by the way, but in, the Emperor Supreme and and uh, in Romans thirteen, it, everybody was in Romans yeah. thirteen. Oh yeah, yeah, just as an absolute text, but not fully understanding where we come from in terms of a constitutional republic and how. By the way, that is a reformational idea. Going back to the Protestant Reformation, there are many within evangelicals, uh, within evangelicalism and mainline Protestantism that don't even know their own history. Uh, in terms of church history, to understand even how we got to where we are to this point, to why religious liberty is enshrined in the Constitution and how it predates so much of the other institutions we have in this country, and yet they're just willing to forfeit it, uh, like at the drop of a hat, because many of them were born in 1960s, post-1960s, they came much later. They were never educated in understanding the republic. Right. Yeah, that's right. And 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 that that hit us on two fronts, right? The first was just a constitutional understanding of what can government do in a quote unquote pandemic, and how far can it go for us personally and for our church? And you know, we 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 bought this lie that government can somehow provide security in in this case, which it couldn't do in the first place. We there was a whole lot of lies about the whole 1905 Jacobson case out of Massachusetts with regard to vaccines and with regard to government stepping in, shutting down churches. We never did anything like this in history, by the way. We, even in the Spanish flu of 1918, we did not shut yeah. everything down. We never quarantined healthy people. Um, you know, none of that happened. We 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 asked. We didn't demand. What we asked theaters and public places to close for a couple of weeks back in Spanish flu. President of the United States, by the way, never mentioned Spanish flu even when he got it, and it was 25 times more deadly than what we're dealing with now. But we had an understanding of constitutional jurisdictions and that health was not something the federal government could even touch, had nothing to do with. So we had a very different response. But the, I thought this was really interesting during COVID, like you mentioned. All these churches are getting shut down. Newsom and other governors are saying, we can tell you when you can sing. I mean, I think that was kind of the the, the final straw for a lot of pastors. I said, wait, wait, you're going to tell us which hymns we can sing or if we can sing. But I thought it was interesting that MacArthur, John MacArthur was the one that really, one of the ones that stood up in, in California, got the most press. Right. You already had Jack Hibbs and Rob McCoy and some of these other great pastors standing up. But when MacArthur stood up, it really caught my attention because Honestly, he has not been one of these, you know, get involved in, in government and, and influence government over the last few decades. In fact, he's, he sometimes spoke out against guys like me and David Barton and others that were that were pushing for that sort of thing. But I think it right. crossed the line for him and his letter really detailing Romans 13 and saying, no, 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 no. First of all, we're supposed to obey government when it's doing good. And secondly, we are the government. And so if, if yes. we're just bowing to these out of control, tyrannical governors telling us we can't follow God's word and meeting together and having fellowship, and we're not influencing that government and being that government for good, 
then we're disobeying the Bible. So that was really, I think, um, I think that was a clarion call and a lot of other pastors finally got on board. I mean, it, it, it was, I think, a test, man. I think, I think it was separating the wheat from the chaff. I think any pastor, any church that has bowed and cowed for two years or, or bowed and cowed for a year, listen, if you close for a couple of weeks, because you were worried you were actually spreading it at your church and all that, and you wanted to make sure you knew what you were dealing with. I can forgive that. That makes sense. I did that with my own family. We came off the road. We said, hey, we're going to check this out. we got an elderly, you know, sure. 88-year-old grandmother and a daughter-in-law with an autoimmune thing. So we wanted to make sure I wasn't bringing something home to them. But two weeks into this, actually, Diamond Princess told us everything we needed to know about it. We should have responded scientifically and biblically and theologically after that. And a lot of churches didn't because they bought exactly what you just said, the Romans 13 yeah. thing. Uh, we just obey whatever they say and instead of recognizing we are government and i think the founders uh, philosophy of you know uh, disobedience to tyrants is obedience to god that that's that's what we should be uh we should be willing to do real quick on that i'm glad you mentioned john MacArthur. we were actually involved uh, the freedom center uh, at that time uh, we had one of our fellows which actually uh, was one of the uh, co-defending attorneys with thomas moore society jenna ellis yeah uh, she was a fellow with us at the time and we also did a big campaign called churches essential or we did a video uh we went out there during the pandemic and uh Governor Newsom, of course, locking down the state, but uh, we got in and were able to do a bunch of stuff there nice. um, at uh, at Grace Community Church. And uh, he, I'm, I, we needed his courage in that moment. Yes. And at the same time, I'll say I've not agreed with I agree with Pastor MacArthur on many things, uh, but you know, I've not always agreed with his understanding in terms of how the church should be engaged in the public sphere, more particularly Christians, how Christians should be engaged. Um, and, and in many ways, he's reluctant uh, to step in in those spaces. Uh, but I'm so thankful he did in that moment. And I think that was a big test uh, for that church. And and in, in many ways, I think God honored it. Uh, it. There were four or five different court cases that they won. Yes. Uh, so that, that was excellent. And, and that, that brings the me rest to the, of the country too. So not only their church, yes, bless the rest of the country. That's, yeah. that's exactly right. And I think it also challenged many other pastors to think more critically. Right. You know, it's interesting, Rick, when you look at church history, there are theological crises that come upon the church. I think during the, the era of Constantine, Arianism, uh, divinity of Christ, you know, was, was, was called into question, you know, and, and the church had to come together and deal with that, you know, in terms of all the different uh, leaders, uh, presbyters, bishops, and so on and so forth convene, you know, at the Council of Nicaea, where you have to figure this thing out. Yeah. In the United States, I think we're kind of coming to terms. We're largely navel gazers. I think we're kind of stumbling upon the obvious, but with a sense of original discovery. This was all there. It was all baked in before. Yeah. Uh, you know, great, 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 great grandparents all understood this because it was taught in public schools uh, and it was taught, you know, in churches. But I think we have kind of come out of a post-Warren, uh, you know, era of the 1950s and 1960s in terms of how we understand separation of church and state and these false dichotomies of, in many ways, we, we have a falsification of the kingdom of God, kingdom of man, uh, and, and where, where the church should be involved in, in earthly disputes uh, where we've, we've often relegated the church to, no, it's other world, uh, it should be heavenly minded, but of no earthly good. Right. And, and it's like, no, that's not the reality at all. So Patriots Academy, you guys are big on biblical citizenship and giving 
uh, young people a model, but also pastors a model for how they should disciple their people. Walk us through a few of those things. Yeah, and and it and it goes back to that the the founding era and the really even a debate that occurred back then about the influence of the church on government and what government would look like and. You know, back then, your pastor was, uh, the church was the epicenter of the community. The pastor was very time, very often the news source for the community, but certainly was giving you from the Bible how things should look in that community, how we should treat each other. And, and that's where I think we really went wrong, was we stopped going to the church for the answers of how to impact culture. And we started buying into, well, if we just get people saved and we get them in the church, then they'll act like Christians, and then that will be salt and light. And we skipped the step of discipleship, of actually fulfilling the Great Commission and teaching them how to obey everything he commands, which would then be salt and light in the community. And so we left out all of these things about how education should work, how our laws should work, what should our criminal laws look like, what things should be punished and shouldn't be punished, all of those things that were biblically influenced in the founding of the era, but then we lost that in the last 50 years. So at Patriot Academy, what we try to do is say, let's just go back to the beginning. What should our society look like? And where do we learn that from? We learn it from history, what works and what doesn't work. We learn it from the Bible with specific instructions on things. And then we learn it from our constitution itself and our and our laws. And we try to combine all those things, but really in a 30,000 feet view, because most, uh, most people are not gonna come sit through a three-year class, right? They're gonna come sit for about eight weeks and every week they come in and they get about an hour, hour's worth of teaching. And then they, the magic happens when the video's over and they actually sit around and they talk about it. So we have people like, you know, Kirk Cameron, Barry Loudermilk, David Barton, Rabbi Daniel Lappin. I mean, all these people are pouring into them with this history and the biblical perspective on these things. But then we want them to talk about how to apply it in their family, in their neighborhood, in their state, and specifically, um, you know, the political realm and the government realm. But what about our local school board and, and all of those things? So it's, it's really going back to basics. Honestly, we're just doing what the schools used to do in terms of teaching civics, what the church used to do. And I'm hoping, and, and I, honestly, I'm seeing this. We've got 14,000 constitution coaches now all over the country. So these classes are happening in churches and living rooms all over the place. And we're seeing it, we hear it every day, the testimonials of people that say, every week I come and I, I get hope because I realize I'm not alone. There are answers to this and I can do something. There's actually action steps that I can take. Cause most people feel helpless right now. They're looking at the country falling apart. The culture is literally yeah. crumbling before their eyes. They're going, what can I do? And we're saying, hey, this is Nehemiah. You got to pick up the rocks. You got to rebuild right by your home. You got to look for ways to do this in your community. And we come alongside them and train them on how to do that. And the good news is people are awakening. They realize, you know, this is happening because the church checked out for 50 years and we weren't salt and light. We let the we let the meat spoil. We were not or we lost mm -hmm. our flavor. We lost our ability to preserve our ability to bring out the best in the culture. But there's an awakening happening. Whether it can be enough of an awakening in time, uh, I, I think we're in for some dark days, some ugly days in the in the country because of not being involved for 50 years, because there's consequences for those things. But I do think we've got a real shot at turning this culture around because the church is awakening. But it's going to take yeah. it's going to take a fire across this country of, of of liberty and frankly revival. You know, you, so you're in Austin, Texas, yeah. and I went to the University of Texas at Austin. Um, this was, gosh, this was in the early 2000, uh, early 2000s. And, um, you know, a lot has changed culturally. Um, you know, back then, um, it, Austin didn't have, you know, the University of Texas didn't have speech codes, for example. It was largely a liberal school 
but conservatives were accepted and tolerated on campus. Uh, you could have your perspective, your point of view. Um, you, you know, you were certainly not canceled, and there were you weren't forbidden from saying certain things yeah. on campus. You were outnumbered. Now that you were allowed to speak. <laughs> that's exactly right. I we had a. Uh, campus um, presence, a C3 on campus. I had a Bible study called Fellowship of Christian University Students. I was part of a local Baptist church in the area. Um, so we were discipling people. We were uh, you know, conducting Bible studies weekly on campus. And much of that has changed. What are some of the challenges you're experiencing, I think, with just with the 18, 16, 17, 18 year olds, maybe you're getting in your program that that's maybe different than it was maybe 10 years ago. Yeah, I have to admit, I, I had to make a, a tactical decision a few years ago because I used to recruit for our programs in public school, private school, homeschool, you know, everywhere. And I finally decided, man, I mean, we're not getting any good fruit from the public schools anymore. It was rare. I mean, sometimes we'd get a kid that, you know, was well, you know, had a good home life and good church. And so they had some good foundation. Uh, and, and I got to be honest with you, man, we're we're not about training the masses. We're about training the, the leaders. So we, we kind of we call yeah. ourselves the Navy SEALs of thought. So we're teaching the tip of the spear, the leaders of the I next like generation. That. So yeah. we want the cream of the crop, teach them, and then they go out and win their generation. And and I'm really I'm really careful about not training the enemy. And, and what I mean by that is that we, we teach really good tactics and, and strategies. We train these kids in leadership skills, communication skills. A lot of our graduates are now in public office across the country. And, and, and I noticed when they came in at 16 or 17, they were still at that point sometimes where they were just kind of living off of what mom and dad believe. And they're trying to figure out what, what do they believe. And I wanted to make sure we had students with at least a foundation of a belief in God, uh, a belief in in American, you know, greatness and, and values, and then build from there. So we got really selective, and I stopped recruiting from public schools because I just wasn't getting good fruit. So now I only recruit from private schools and and homeschools. We still get some students. We don't deny them. If if somebody finds out about us through their church and they go to public school, great, and they're grounded. We want them. Come on to Patriot Academy. Um, but but that was really because of exactly what you're saying. It became. I'm a public school grad. You know, I did homeschool as a kid. Yeah and then private school a couple of years, but I graduated from a public school and it was so different then than it is mm. now. And now cultural Marxism has taken over the education yeah. system. And uh, so so for, for me, it became, what changed was I had to narrow what we were after and what we were recruiting and then training and equipping. And I don't want to give up. I mean, I, we train people on how to run for school board and go influence the schools and do our best in that area. But man, I'm telling you, it's uh, if you keep your kids in public schools at this point, you're playing Russian roulette because they are taken by the left. It, it's tough to find a school that still teaches a love of America. Most of them have been completely overtaken by the cultural Marxist. Yeah, and it, it's not a matter of if, but just a matter of when. It's 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 like putting something in an oven. I mean, if you put it in an oven, you're going to face the heat, and it's a matter of how long. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna die in that environment, and um, you know I would just say I've got three kids myself, and the reality is, um, free education is not worth the spiritual death Amen. that they could undergo, and and that 
that is too high a price Amen. for a parent, and, and I'm not willing to pay that. I, um, I feel but, like I did answer yeah. your question, though. I, to to yeah. answer your question more specifically, I think yeah, yeah. we had to really start going to the heart of worldview issues, and you know, especially on the gender issues and all these things where even kids in the church have bought a lot of these lies in the culture. Yes. And we didn't used to spend time on that. We assume most of them had a grounding in that. Now we spend several sessions or speakers on those issues to get to the heart of it and give them the other side and give them the truth and do it in a way where they're willing to listen. We had to even change our tactics on that. So I, I think that's probably more what you were asking was how that has yeah. changed with those kids. And it has, man, it's a, it's a challenge. I mean, we still, you know, we, we even do, I'll, I'll give an economic example, minimum wage. You know, um, uh, we, we do this thing called a minimum wage game. And most of the kids today come in believing that a minimum wage is good, that it helps those that, that, that are at the you know bottom level of, of, of the economic scale and they need it and yada, yada. By the time we finish that two hour minimum wage game where they've engaged in this really fun thing that we do, um, and 95% are going, wow, minimum wage is really bad. That's hurting everybody. So we have to be really creative to come up with ways to kind of shock them out of a lot of these lies that they've been taught. Now that's an economic issue. There's all the other issues. Yeah. We only have them for a week, so there's only so much we can do. Then we need to send them to Liberty so they get a full four years of truth. But I, I mean, it has definitely changed and you see it. I mean, I watch them on social media and, and, and we've got real challenges ahead and people in the church need to stop thinking, oh, our kids aren't affected by all this stuff. Your kids are very affected yeah. by all this stuff and they need good training and good grounding. Well, you know, and I'll say this, and, and by the way, we're, we're running out of time, but I'll just say this. I've, I've talked to pastors about this and they say, well, what I want to say that, you know, about, about the public school, because I got a, I got a really solid deacon who's also the principal or the superintendent in the local school district, you know, and I'm like, well, God bless them. You know, I, I understand, you know, they've been around maybe for to their career of a person. They've been around for 20, 25 years, you know, fine. But that doesn't mean send all your kids there That's right. because they don't own and operate and run that system. That system owns them. That's right. Their hands and are tied, at, man. At, their hands know, are tied. Yeah. I mean, that's that's like the first century. You know, you, you could be a Christian and, and be in the emperor's uh, army. I mean, there, there, there's a whole thing about that. In the, in the New Testament letters and in Acts in particular, you see examples of that. But that doesn't mean all of a sudden that you've Christianized Rome. It doesn't work that way. And I think people are missing it. The other thing is, you, and you, you point out cultural Marxism. I think more and more people are recognizing the total reality of what that means sexually, morally, um, you know, in terms of logic and reasoning, and not just in terms of economic. I think the biggest challenge is, especially with the older generation, I, I think of those that are uh, maybe with the boomer generation and even older, when, when we're talking about cultural Marxism, we're not just talking about it in purely economic right. terms. We're talking about something far different and far greater. Yeah. Uh, and it goes into the spiritual and moral framework sure. of understanding things. And then the, the, the economic is just tip, just the tip of the so iceberg. True. Uh, so you're right on, man. Yeah. And, and it's it's a it's it's spiritual. It's physical. It's everything about their life that they want to take. I mean, they, they want to replace God with government and with this 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 philosophy. And they want to divide us completely. You're, you're 100 percent right. We always think think of Marxism as just economics. Uh, and, in, and in truth, it is a it is a religion. I mean, it, it's a it's a religion that completely replaces everything that is American. And they we used to you know, we would say this. 
20 years ago, people would laugh at us and say, you're, you're, blow, you're blowing things out of proportion. They want your children. They are coming for your children. And, and now they're finally showing it. Just look at the drag queen, drag queen, you know, strip tease stuff with kids in, in, in these yeah. places and the things that they're, that they're doing. They want your children's heart and soul and mind. And unfortunately, uh, they are winning in so many areas of the culture because we stayed out. Now, that doesn't mean they will win. We have more people with us that are on our side that want to reject these things. But this yeah. apathy and lackadaisical attitude has got to end. And the church specifically has got to stop being sheep and start being lions. You know, Jesus was the lamb, but he was also the lion. And we got to start thinking more like that, being more like Daniels and JLs and Shadrachs and realize that even if we're marching off to captivity for 70 years, we still build our homes, we still influence the culture, we still plant our gardens. You know, this this idea you were talking about earlier where people just kind of, oh, God's coming, you know, Jesus is coming back so we don't have to do anything. No man knows the day. I hope it's next week, but it could be another 5,000 yeah. years. We don't know. Right. So we need That's to do right. our job. <laughs> Absolutely. And that doesn't make him any less faithful. That's and right. I think that's one of the things that we built. I think I think we've immunitized in many ways eschatology uh, more so than even Christ has by trying to make predictions based on what the newspaper reads, either in the New York Times or the Washington Post or whatever. And you read it and you say, ah, he's coming back now. I grew up in that. Uh, I, I've seen it that uh, we are living in the last times. We've been living in the last times for 2000 years, but we've got to get busy. Um, Rick Green, founder of Patriots Academy, teaching biblical citizenship uh, to young people all across America, including pastors. Where can we find you? Patriotacademy.com. All our programs Wonderful. are there for the youth, for our constitutional defense, our handgun defense course that includes the constitution training, becoming a constitution coach, biblical citizenship in your church we're going to have a you know just a lot of new things coming out but it's all there at our website patriotacademy.com excellent thank you so much for joining the give me liberty podcast and folks stick around for final thoughts hey thanks for joining the give me liberty podcast wasn't rick green great i think the challenges that we're seeing now more than ever is pointing to the fact that the church has been bereft of having a real discipleship tool for engaging the public arena. And oftentimes when we talk about discipleship, we're talking about spiritual discipleship, but we're not talking about the way of a man or the way of a woman, the way in which we think about vocational life as Christians. How shall we then live is such an important question. The question that Francis Schaeffer had often raised. Uh, what do we do in light of what the scriptures teach? And uh, that's so very important. Hey, check out standingforfreedom.com. We have many articles there on these issues and more, how to deal with them according to a biblical worldview based on the authority of God's word. Um, share the Give Me Liberty podcast with a friend, like, and subscribe. And until next time, God bless you.